Conversations powered by Just Talking Lisa. Listen, I am Jesse Farrell, and you are? Lisa Bybee. It's showtime. Yes, it is. Talk to me. What do you do for the company real quick? I'm VP of Sales and Marketing for Just Talk and Success Coach. And you? Very, very good. I'm actually a professional speaker. Do a little bit of author stuff every now and then. Is that author stuff or authorship? It's either way you like to. Okay. It depends on where you grow up. Which neighborhood did you grow up in? Uh, Utah. Then let me then let me say it properly. Um, I find myself uh, being one of those authors of the day. Uh, was my standard English good enough? Okay, authorship, author, author town. Go ahead. Whatever. It's Move all on. that. All that's right? all good. We'll keep right, moving. Right, right. Yeah, and and professional speaking along with life coaching and executive coaching. That's what we do. Wonderful. And we empower and inspire others to live their highest vision. In a context of love and joy. Love and joy it yes. is. With that being said, let's keep the show moving because we have a really super special guest yes, on today. Yes, she is. Right? And what would you like to say about that? I would like to welcome Lori McNamara to the show today. Yay! Yeah. Oh, Yay! Welcome, Lori. This is going to be a really cool show. Lisa's going to announce the topic, and you have a very cool signature piece in this topic that's going to be moving, shall I say. Mm. And the topic is key insights uh, and loss and grief of a loved one. Yes. And our relationship, why Lori is here today, is that Jimmy, her her husband, who's no longer in the flesh on this earth, uh, he and I had a huge Facebook connection. The the picture that's on my cover picture right now, Mm -hmm. I took down. And he immediately, two seconds later, said, put that picture back up. That's what everybody (laughs) knows you for. Are you crazy? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So when Jimmy passed, I wasn't friends with Lori at that time, but I, I, I was so connected to him. I felt like I knew him. So we connected, we became friends and I was just following her posts every day. And, and every day it was like, wow, what she must be going through, what she must be going through. I would cry. I felt like she was my sister. I felt like I knew her and I finally reached out and I said, I, I need to know you. I really need to know you. So that's when the three of us met at Sambalate and that we felt like we had known each other right. forever. forever. Really? Yeah. And, you know, as life goes, and a lot of people don't consider this, they don't like to talk about it. There's not a lot of dialogue about it. Mm-hmm. And my mom, I was talking to my mom about it, who is 81 and just lost a very dear friend. And she said, I am so glad you're having this topic today mm-hmm. because here I sit at 81 and no one ever had the discussions right. about this ever. Nobody wants to talk about it. No, right. You know exactly. what's cool? But yeah. you know what's cool about this is Lisa's mother is, is a very special lady. And you know, I believe she said a time or two that I may intend to interrupt people. But Lisa just interrupted me and I allowed it. So her mother must be ecstatic. Oh, wow. Lisa interrupting Jesse. They're changing. Oh. So that's a good thing. Yeah. But 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 we're all going to lose precious ones in our lives, right? right? And that's We need to talk about it and express mm. our feelings. And yeah. a lot of people don't want to hear it and they don't want they don't know what to say to you. And it scares them. I think it's fear it's fear that keeps people from not saying well, anything. It took me a long time to even ask you right. to get to get the courage to ask you if you would be willing to talk about it cuz it's a, it's a big deal to yeah, talk about. To talk about. Yeah. It is a big deal. And I think mostly because growing up because it's not spoken about, we have no backdrop. We have no experience. We have no vocabulary. Right. And we, we have all those feelings that race up and down all over the place and nothing to navigate or put us back on course. Not to try to get over things fast, 
but just how to work through a process, mm -hmm. right? And everyone handles it differently. There is no like manual that exactly. says, hey, deal with it this way because each of us are so individual in the exactly. way we feel. Yeah. And that's what I learned as I went along. Yeah. No one understood me and, and I had to express it through Facebook, which was an, a neat way to, to share it. Yeah. And I didn't know that I was going to. I just felt after he passed away, I, I had to say some things because he had so many people following him on Facebook. Nice. You wanted to speak to them. You want to have a voice. Yeah. You wanted that's to. Exactly. They're, they're all watching. I mean, the, the moment he passed, it hit Facebook and it was like wildfire. And everyone knew, I mean, before family knew. And they wanted to share their condolences. They wanted to, they wanted to find a little detail about, we tend to want to yeah. know what happened, right? Everybody wanted. Yeah, exactly. And that was hard. You don't want to share that right right away. I mean, I was still in shock trying to process because it was not a prepared thing. It was sudden, very well, sudden. Went to work one day, came home and there he was. So it wasn't like I had time to prepare. We were, we were having a weekend together. You're right. So. And you, you, you seem to be a processor anyway, someone that, mm -hmm. that likes to really think things through before you respond. You know, I don't get the sense that you're a reactor. I yeah. get the sense that you respond, which is a more powerful way of of having a dialogue and a communication. So when something like that happens, mm -hmm. you don't even know how to respond. I would imagine when you say I was in shock, tell us what mm -hmm. in shock felt like. What it felt like. That's a hard one. Um, it, you just don't know what to say. I'm, people watch me. I'll, I'll tell you what people saw. Okay. Yeah. Um, Cause my pastor's wife said that she goes, you were, you were torn, you were crying. And then you were trying to be hostess. Cause that's who right, I am. I right. had all the, all these people flooded my home Yeah. in the midst of it. I mean, Jimmy was, was still there. They hadn't taken them away yet. And suddenly I've got people wow. showing up left and right. And I'm trying to be hostess to them and not spending time processing, processing that. what you need to yeah, process. I, yeah, I didn't have time. I should have been I should have been sitting with him or just doing something, but I was busy entertaining, making sure everyone ha was okay that was showing up at my door. So I was it was a shock. Did you feel like somewhat of an outer body experience where you sort of rose above yourself and that this hostess was doing what you normally do? And this out-of-body person was trying to deal with this amazing situation that you could never yeah. see coming. I honestly couldn't tell you that. I just, oh. I just did what, what I know to do and who I was. I think that's what it was. Mm -hmm. I was just doing, I mean, I, I had EMT training. So when I got home, I knew what to do. I saw, you know, I checked the, yeah, it was obvious to me, but I checked the vitals and then I called 911. I mean, I had the process down like that. But you just kind of walk it through, made my phone calls, called the family, you know, and it really didn't hit me until everything got quiet. And how long was that when everything got quiet? Was it a day or a couple of days? Or Well, when everyone left that evening mm -hmm. and the door shut. And, and now it's just you. And now it's just me. Yeah. And that was probably, see, now I'm going to cry. That was probably the hardest part was quiet in the house because he was always there. Mm -hmm. Well, even yeah. if he wasn't talking, he was there because he had, a, he had an incredible energy. Yes. Oh, right? very much yeah. so. Yeah. He was full of life and... And it was, and, it was as yeah. much the energy maybe that you were missing as much as even the, 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 the presence, the, the person yeah. and the silence is like loud. Right. Very right. Loud. Very loud. Yeah. Just, did you do anything to break the silence or did you just live into it? I think I just lived into it. Mm. I just broke and my daughter was there, which was nice. She didn't leave my side mm -hmm. for a long time. So it wasn't like I was completely alone. She stayed with me. In fact, they didn't let me be alone for a long time. They were afraid to leave me by myself. Mm -hmm. And she would follow me everywhere. Everything I would, would do, she'd follow me, make sure I was okay. Follow you as in may, sort of, not a close shadow, but a distance enough to give you space, but to be there for whatever your needs are. Is that what you mean by mm -hmm. follow me everywhere? Yeah. Well, and she followed me everywhere. I, I would hide in the bathroom, and she did. I went in the bathroom, closed the door, just wanted to cry on the floor. And she'd be knocking on the door, Mom, Mom, Mom. What's your I'm daughter's like, name? Jessica. 
Jessica, my name, uh, Jessica, if you're watching this, my name is Jesse, so you've got my namesake, and I think I'm older than you. <laughs> when your mama wants to go to the bathroom, Jessica... <laughs> You got to let her go to the bathroom. No. Just stand. No, I'm kidding. Yeah. I'm kidding. It was good that she did that. I needed No, of that. course. That's, yeah. It was actually very thoughtful. It yeah. was very, um, was it was very connected. It was very caring, right? Yeah. But the thing about it is he, she left him. He was sick in bed thinking he had flu symptoms. Sure. And no idea then and there that the signs were that he was having a, a heart, heart attack. attack. Yeah. And actually that was it. When I left that morning, every morning I would... He would walk me out to my van, pray over me. And he, that morning he said, um, my chest is hurting. Yes. I'm feeling, you know, uh, and my arm's aching. And, and I still regret that I didn't really hear what he was saying. I, we mentioned the word flu. So you have that guilt. So I'm living with the guilt of that too. It's like, okay, he said it. And I drove away. And then he called me later and said, you know, I'm feeling better now. So What's uh, the guilt part? Well, because I was an EMT. I heard my chest hurts, my arms ache. That's... It's like classic heart attack. Sure. You know, and I should have, that's why I said I should have heard that and like stopped right then and took him to the hospital or, or do it. And you're not supposed to do that. You're not supposed to try and say, okay, I could have fixed this or I could no. have made a difference. And, and I wasn't the only one. He actually Skyped someone that morning a couple hours later and, and he said the same thing to him. He's like, you know what? Those are the classic symptoms. Get yourself to the hospital. So he wasn't even hearing, hearing. It. And he really thought he had the flu. He, I came home and there was soup on the counter and jello. And I actually went to the store to bring him stuff. And that's when I came in on him. So I don't think he even knew well, what and, was going and on. You corrected yourself. So I won't say much about it, but Lisa and I live our lives by, we don't believe that people like to be shit on. Nobody likes to be shit on. You should do this. You should right. do that. You shouldn't. We don't. It's, it, it brings up a negative space. You already corrected yourself. And I don't think there was anything that you should have done that you did not already do. You were there for him, however you can be for him. And I believe at times like that, we don't always know the the, the, the magnitude of what's about ready to happen. Yeah. I had a situation where I was with a very dear friend of mine, uh, Charles Meeks, and I was on the golf course here in Vegas with some clients, and I got a call from him, and he was very disturbed by something that happened to him in Florida at the Hard Rock Hotel Casino, and he was... Um, he, he typically called when he wanted my help and I offered my help, but he didn't, he didn't accept the help, which was odd to me. And, uh, the next day, uh, because of that incident that happened at the hard rock, it bothered him to the degree um, among maybe other things that were happening that we may not be aware of that he took his own life. Mm -hmm. And I didn't have any regrets because I offered my full self to him and he didn't accept it. So what can I do? Right. I right. did the best that I could do. And I didn't shoot on myself or anything. I, I'm so glad that I said, I said, Charles, let me handle this. I'll write the letter. I'll write it to the president. I'll send it to your secretary. She'll get it to you. You'll proof it. If I'm accurate with what you're, what you're telling me, we'll send it off. We'll get results. Typically, Charles would turn me loose and go, go get him, Jess. But he didn't this time. This time he said nothing. Mm -hmm. So his choice to leave this earth, not, not in your husband's case. Your husband's was, in my opinion, a God choice, mm -hmm. not yes. a personal choice. And maybe even in, I don't know, maybe even in Charles' case, but... To any event, I was one of two people that he talked to before he did that. Mm -hmm. I carry no regret, no guilt, nothing, because I gave him my very best. Mm -hmm. I offered him me. And not everyone can say that, though. I'm glad you didn't carry the guilt, because I think a lot of people do. You wonder how much you could have done or take them to the doctor, or a lot of people do. I'm not the only one. I learned, um, one of the things I learned through this was I'm not God. You know? Right. And when you want to say, if I would have done this, it would have changed. That makes me think I'm powerful enough to control what would have the outcome, you know the outcome what, of yeah. exactly. You know, you know what I like best about what you did do is that you loved him deeply all the way through and you still do. And he knew that.
Mm-hmm. He did. Yeah. That to me is what what is what's most magical. Now you're here to share a story so that people that may be going through something like this right now, even as we speak, or possibly it could be something in their future that we don't know. Maybe by them listening to this podcast uh, or watching or viewing this, they can gather the strength to be in a decent place at some time after a passing or, or tragic situation mm-hmm. like this. Your story is going to help a lot of people. I hope so. Yeah, that's the reason I've been writing what I have on Facebook mm-hmm. because I know that it's some people very can't, therapeutic. Yeah, it's very therapeutic, and a lot of people won't say what I've said and be real about it and 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 say every detail and, and how you're feeling because you're afraid to. Very much. I, and sometimes I'll put it out there and I'm afraid I've said something too much. Yeah. But then I get responses back saying, no. thank you, that's exactly what I felt. And I think it's done a lot of healing yeah. for a yeah. lot of people. Yeah. I, I really don't think do. you can see it as too much. It may be too much for this person, but not for right. that person. Right. It may be over the top for John, but perfect for Susie. Exactly. I think you express yourself how you express yourself with no apologies. And people take and get what they want. If they don't dig it or it's not working for them, move on. Move on. And that was a lot of what I said was I had to be real. And I wanted people to be real and, and not sugarcoat things. This yeah. is exactly what happened. This hurt and and, and it was scary. And, and I'm feeling like this and I'm crying and I, and I can't handle the loneliness. And I mean, you just share every ounce. And a lot of people would think they would say to me constantly, you're doing so well. And I hated that because. Because there were days that you said, but what I did can't you, get but out what of What did you hate about yeah. that I, though? What did you hate about that? What I, because it wasn't who I was. It's like you, and, and plus it made me feel like I had to be well. You're doing so well. Okay, now they think I'm doing well, so I, now I have to act. So like I'm masquerading I'm doing, yeah, because so I'm, I'm really not underneath. I'm really. I want to. I want. Yeah, I want to cry. I want to break down, and and so you have to be a certain way. And I had to do that at work. Obviously, you can't cry all day at work. I'd find my moments to get away, but you can't. You can't be real in all situations. So it was hard for me to hear people say, "Oh, you're doing really good," or "Look how far you've come." And and, and they and, and you want to say you have no idea what I'm going through. Right. And you know right, what? They right. know they don't have any idea what you're yeah. going through. They also know they don't have the vocabulary and the depth to speak to it. Yeah. And I'm not getting them off the hook. The hook, I, in my opinion, from hearing what you said, I believe that that expression that they have is all they have. They're looking to give you something. And they of don't sus- know what They're looking to give you something of sustenance, of substance, of deep care. And when they say, oh, you're doing really well, you really are to them compared to where they think they might be. Because all of us look things, look at things through the WIIFM lens. What's in it for me? So while you're going through it, they're imagining if I was going through this, oh, God, I would never look as good as you look here. They're thinking that. So that expression of, you know, you're doing well, you're, they, they, you are to them doing well. Which yeah. goes back to the fact that we aren't taught what to say. Exactly. We, we have a standard reply, and that's all we know how to say because there's no language behind how to handle it. Exactly. What do we say? Exactly. exactly. And you can't fix it. People want to fix what's happening. Right. And but you the, can't fix it. It's, no, you can't bring it back. And that's part of it. You can't fix me. You can't fix anyone that's going through it. But you can say, I'm so sorry. And that, that was actually the biggest thing. I have uh, one of my uh, supervisors at work. For three days, he didn't say anything to me when I got back to work. And I finally went into him, and I said, I need to talk to you. Um, he's like, I don't know what to say to you. I go, that's exactly what I need to hear. And, and he was honest. So that's, that's okay. Yeah, that it's was okay perfect. to say, that's I exactly, don't know what to say. I don't know what to say. That's what I need but to But wouldn't it, wouldn't it be good too, if people were just present? And that's part of it too. Yes. Yeah. Whether you know what to say or you don't know what to say, mm-hmm. what, what if the people listening to this or watching this podcast understood that in times like this, when it's available, when you have that space, just be present. Exactly. You can say something or you don't have to. Right. You know, so I think a lot of times 
uh, that, that, that space where no one's talking can be very uncomfortable for some people, but that can be an okay space. Mm-hmm. You agree? Yeah. Let's, yeah. let's table um, death itself and some other things and come back to it as well. But I want you to join because you've, you've got such a vibrant uh, character and a rich experience about this. People in your life have passed away. How have you handled it? Like well, your father, yeah, specifically. That, that was the biggest loss. I mean, cl- clearly I've lost grandparents and such, but losing my dad was um, the hardest thing. Why so? I know he's your father. We get that. But why so? Living in Vegas and him living in Utah, I knew when I left him that I would never see him again. Mm-hmm. So... I was never prepared of how to deal with that myself. But you actually dealt with it quite powerfully. I was, I saw that when I was there. You actually, I won't get into the, all the detail, but I'll tell you as a witness, you dealt with it quite powerfully. Your family counted on you to show up and you did. For your entire family, you showed up for that whole service and for his passing. Well, for the longest time, I couldn't cry. I would watch movies wanting to cry because I knew that I had so much inside that there, there would be a dam that would break once the tears came out. And that finally happened like six months later. Can you I relate just, to that too? I just like cried and I could not stop crying, literally, for, for eight hours. They, it, the tears just kept, coming. just kept coming. It happened at work. I had a breakdown. Mm-hmm. My boss said something. And it was the littlest mm-hmm. thing. And I was cr- trying and trying and trying and trying to cry and I couldn't. And she said something, and I was done. I was toast. Yeah, There's a lot of triggers. Yeah, I, I actually cry. I cry all the time, so that it was easy for me to cry. But yeah, some people, my daughter can't cry very well either. Yeah. Did but, you um, Did you cry as a matter of expression? Did you cry as a matter of uh, uncontrollable? It just came. It was uncontrollable. It was expression. It. I was. I was angry. I screamed a lot. Mm. Yeah. You know? well, who were you angry at? I was angry at God. I figured you were yeah. going to say that. <laughs> Yeah. Why did you take me? I, I, I was. I yeah. was very angry at him. That's what I think and a lot of people, you know, if you are God, why are you taking why, the best can, people? Why can I sneak in on this them? with yeah. you yeah. ladies? Yeah. Um, my mother had six children and, um, and I was the second born of all six. And when my mother um, was, can be a bit, bit of a cantankerous lady. She's a, a soul sister from the South that set what was on her mind and could ball up her fist and go after it. And in the last four years of her life, I got really, really close to her. I was always connected to her, but extremely close to her. And when my mother passed, I um, celebrated. I was not angry with God. Mm-hmm. It was a celebration because my mother suffered. We all suffer from time to time, and some of us suffer longer and harder than others. But my mother's last, since I was uh, 13 years old, when they when my parents divorced, until my mother passed, she suffered because she missed my father that whole time. So she always lived a life in major suffering and a lot of it in solitude, no matter whether she was in another relationship or not. Mm -hmm. So when my mother passed, I celebrated it because I knew she was going to a better place and I knew she would no longer be suffering. Mm -hmm. That's how it felt for me. You were unselfish. You thought about her. I, I don't, was, yeah, my sorrow was selfish. Yeah. yeah. But not on purpose, just because naturally, are. right? Yeah, naturally. Good call. Because Jimmy was, he's in the best place. So Good call. Right. It was all about me. It's like, it, how yeah. could you leave me? Yeah, how could you exactly. leave me? Exactly. But, but we all deal with things different ways, depending on the landscape and the path that was laid before the incidents happened. Mm-hmm. Well, how about when you came over and you said, my mother just passed and Alex and I were sitting in the office. And he said, Jesse, how can you be so calm right now that your mother just passed? 
because I think he was thinking if my mom had just passed, I certainly wouldn't be having the demeanor about you that you do. So speak to that a little bit. I said to Alex, I said, because I know that I did the very best for and to my mother before she passed. I'll never forget. She asked me for a cell phone. I go, mother, I really can't afford a phone right now. There's a lot of incidents going on in my life. And I just, and I'm thinking about six, like kids do, they forget. And about six, seven months later, I thought, wait a minute, my mother asked me for a phone. I go, why don't I just get her a $20 phone? I go, why would I get my mother a $20 phone? I'm carrying this iPhone, this magnitude phone. So I got her the exact same phone that I, that I was carrying. I sent it to her and it made her so, so happy. And what made me feel good is, you know, the faith that I have is listening to the message and allows me to respond at, at those times. And mm-hmm. so I, I was so happy to get her something that she wanted, even though she was about on her way out. And it left me feeling good that I did the very best for, for her, no matter what the consequences on my side were. And that's where I'm living. I'm living in the space of giving her my very best. And beyond that, what is it? What is there? You had no regrets. No regrets. Zero. Now, would I like to be able to have a conversation with my mother? Sure, that would be wonderful. We had a great, colorful relationship, but is that possible? No. The situation is different, and I feel good that I did what I could for my my uncle just passed away recently, uh, Jesse Daniels, which is what the guitar in the back behind us is about, celebrating him because we're talking about how you leave them feeling. We're talking about your story and Jimmy's story. And And and, that you left me feeling great. Right. And when he passed away like that, I canceled all my coaching sessions. I got straight to the hospital because it felt serious. And I, I stayed with him from, say, 1130 until about 430. I left. And when I left, shortly after that, he passed. But I'm glad that I put everything down and went by his side. My uncle grabbed my hand. My uncle's one of those tough boys from the South, excellent guitar player that played with B.B. King and many other greats. And he never hugged me. He never kissed me. He never told me that he loved me except for that day. Wow. And then he grabbed my hand. Yeah. Mm, that's nice. perfect. That's, uh-huh. that's my uncle. That's awesome. And so he grabbed my hand and he pulled me toast, close and he loved me, told me that he loved me. And he told me, keep living your life the way you're living it because you're doing it right. And we all need to follow that. And I knew he was leaving me because he held me for 15 minutes. Aww. I knew he wasn't going to stay on this earth. Just like your other, your second mother. Yeah, my second mother, she, when I went to visit her, uh, her eyes were glazed over. And I looked at her, I tried to get her attention. I tried to get her, I was dancing with my father. I was playing games. I showed her a picture of Lisa. She loved Lisa. I showed Lisa as a little girl. She gave me no reaction. Lisa had this hunk of a father. Hunk, this guy is good looking. Make you want to consider maybe you know, switching teams. You know, I mean, this guy was, this guy was really good looking. So I showed him Lisa's father and one eyebrow goes up in the air. (laughs) And that was the only reaction I ever got from her. And then shortly after that, she passed. So I really think life is not about what happens to us, Lori and Lisa. I think life is about what do we do about what happens to us and how do we prepare ourselves for the things that we don't even know we're preparing ourselves along the way. Just Constant and never-ending exactly. improvement. And, never let that stop. And can I say, as you were sharing, like making sure that almost like you had done what you're supposed to do, and that's one of the big things that I share is please let people know that you love them. Let your yes. family know you love them. That you don't want to wait. And my daughter, that was big. She didn't know if she told Jimmy that I love you, but she did because that Jimmy had told me that. So you, you, that's really important. That's you, very you important. Have no my, idea when. No, that's days. you don't know. My uncle Jesse, know. he never really said "I love you" those actual words until that day, but yes. he always showed extreme care and extreme sensitivity, and he always wanted to make 
picture my mother, Willie Mae Farrell, that her kids were all right. He always mm -hmm. checked on us. He always, he was incredible. He really was an incredible person. That was his way of showing love. Or if things aren't right with people in your life, make it right. Make it right right now because yeah. you never know what to, if, if tomorrow will come all we know we have is right, right now. now and you don't want the regrets no, no you don't and see because the regrets are hard to shed mm -hmm. that's another layer let's talk about some grief cycles really quick you want to read the five stages of grief cycle? i really want the people to get from this especially with Lori here who's just going through the denial anger bargaining depression and acceptance are a part of the framework that makes up our learning to live with the one we lost that's very true all those. Yeah. All the, and, and don't they, they don't necessarily come in any order. No, and no. They're, they go back and forth. Right. I, I thought I was done with the anger and then it came back and yeah. And the depression comes and goes. And Where are you now, Lori? You know, acceptance, is that what you had said? Yes. Was, yeah. Yeah. Interesting because, um, I mean, obviously I, I accept that he's gone, but acceptance of what I'm going through is really hard. Like the loneliness. I'm like, okay, you know what? I'm embracing this for the first time. I'm embracing the grief. I'm embracing it instead of trying to run from it. I'm accepting. And it's been a year and a half. It's been 16 months and okay. another week. Okay. Yeah. Wow. Not very long. You, you, if you, if you don't want to answer this or if you need time to process, do it. But I have a question for you. Lisa and I talked about this before. What are your best words of advice for someone going through a, such a huge loss? What could you say to someone that's going through that right now? Be real. Be, Be real. Open, share with people. Nice. And have a big thing for me, have a lot of people around you. What Very about nice. grief counseling? Um, that's, you know what? For me, I didn't want to do that, yeah. like going to a grief group, because I didn't want to hear everyone else's story, but I wanted to tell my story. So, but that everyone, was your expression. Every, that's what I do through Facebook. I, I can mm -hmm. share it and then, and people, um, responded back to me, but I didn't want to hear everyone else's story cause I, I was focused on mine. Was, so their replies were your therapy or grief counseling, exactly. right? Yeah. I because that, like, that was part of your community. That was your village right. and you knew they cared. I did. And for that moment, I mean, I'm starting a grief group actually in a few weeks, so I'm ready now to talk and, and share with other people and, and. So it all depends where you're at. I think everyone's different. Some people yeah. don't want to go. Some people need to go. Yeah. Right. Everybody is different how they handle grief. It's so true. I, I, I hear what you're saying. And you, well, we're all different. I believe on some level, the, the, I believe people should get some level of professional counseling, not necessarily to stay in it, but just to help them decide whether that's for them or not, to, to have it available. Just, yeah. just the first level. That's just me. What about, um, what if they can't afford counseling? What if people can't afford counseling? What then? What? What are your thoughts, Lisa? What should they do? Go to your village, just like just like Lori did. You know, go to the people that matter most, that really care deeply about you, and say, "I'm I'm dealing and coping with this." If if you have the courage to right, do that, right? And we have just a couple minutes That's left, something. so I want to say, what about people that try to force your acceleration for getting through or over this quickly? Is there really a certain time? A magical time that one should get over the loss of someone they love like there's this. No, there's no time limit mm -mm. at all. Right? You can't you can't force it. You can't rush it. And um, it's always with you. I don't think you can ever really get over it. It's just mm -hmm. become a new part of your life. Yeah. But I was going to say, along with where do you go for help if you can't afford it? All the churches have grief groups everywhere, especially in the city. So you can find a place to go and even you, if you can't afford it. Do you still feel his energy? Do you still feel his touch? Touch as in physical, I'm sorry, spiritual. Like, like do you still feel anything I, I, about I don't know how to answer that. He's very much present. Yeah, I, okay. I, I hear his voice all the time. He would always tell me, Lori, challenge yourself. 
Nice. And, and I say back, I go, I am challenging myself now because we've nice. accomplished a lot. I was able to publish his book. We, you know, after he passed away, I was able to do the CD we were working on. We were we had a lot of things undone, and I and I took care of those and started our ministry that we've been doing to the elderly. And right. So I, I that's the book you I shared with us. Yeah, I kind of look nice. back and I'm like, I'm challenging myself now. So. Well, yeah. I tell you, what, we have less than a minute left. I want. Is there anything you want to leave our viewers or, or our audience with? We've talked about my uncle Jesse Daniels. We talked about my mother Willie, Willie Mae Farrell. We talked about Charles Meeks. We talked about my father. Your father. Say his name so they know. John Thomas. John Thomas. Jimmy Mack. And we talked about Jimmy Mack. And so, is there anything that you want to say as we close to the, our listeners or our viewers about handling matters like this, real quickly? Handling matter. How to handle it. Well, yeah, just yeah. handling matters like this. This is um, just be real, like I said before. Just get out there and share and uh, open up with people. What would you What would you say then? That's very good, Lori. What would you say? Um, live your life today and have no regrets tomorrow. Treat people kind. Uh, do unto others as you would want done unto you. I like that, and That's I would good. actually say be willing to ask for the help you want and need. That's That's a good one, but. Not practical, I'll tell you that, because you're afraid to ask. You are, you are, unless you get some help from someone to yeah. help you learn how to ask. ask. Yeah, so exactly. you're right. It's not an easy thing. I, I totally agree. And a lot of people don't ask because of how they feel. Mm -hmm. And there's a magical thing we say that close every show, and Lisa will close it for us as we talk about leaving people feeling. Because at the end of the day, end of the day, it's all about how you leave them feeling. 